So the nation of Israel is, uh, they've, been, they've been let go out of Egypt, and uh, grudgingly almost by Pharaoh. And now they've come to a place where they're, they've crossed the Red Sea, and they're in the wilderness. Now there's two problems with living in the wilderness. If you've ever gone camping, uh, there's two things that you don't really want to run out of. Food and water, Right? And so this is a pretty desolate area. There's a million or more people that Moses has led in the wilderness. And immediately, uh, this is a problem. Where are they going to get water? Where are they going to get food? And so we're going to talk about the, the second one. Where do they get food? And how did that kind of come down to play? And we're going to see one of the things I, I try to uh, communicate, and hopefully we do that here, is... Some people say, well, I like the Old Testament. Some people say, I like the New Testament. Well, you got to like both because we're gonna sh- I'm going to show you today how the Old Testament, understanding this story of bread in the wilderness, has so many implications to the New Testament. And we're going to talk about that, especially as we celebrate the Lord's table this weekend. You're going to see the implication of that. But let's, let's dive into the text. It's Exodus chapter 16. And uh, let me read it to you. I'm going to read the first four verses and then we'll talk about uh, some, we'll jump to some other verses and we'll talk about it. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, at the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. The wilderness, the whole com- in the wilderness, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat with around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the wilderness to starve this entire assembly to death. Two things about that. Number one, it's not true in the sense that they, they were feasting when they were in Egypt. And, and, and number two, there's a, there's, a, there's a real, if you didn't catch it, negative tone here, obviously. Then, Moses, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. So God is going to give them instructions. And the instructions are pretty specific and they're pretty applicable for us. And we're going to see there's principles behind God's instructions. Notice what he says. This is, uh, he says this. That evening, quail came down. This is, this is kind of a little different. Quail came down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the wilderness floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. So when you read the actual Hebrew text, it, 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 when you read what is it, that phrase what is it, there's a couple of words there, it sounds like manna. <laughs> so, so that's what they called it. They called it manna, which means what is it? It's just the two Hebrew words, and if you look it up in the Hebrew, it just sounds like manna. And uh, Now we're not going to get into, and you know, people want to speculate what was manna, it was this, it was that, and all this. Other. All I can say is, for the next 40 years, the people are going to eat manna. It was the first superfood out there, right? And, and so God provides manna in the wilderness for 40 years for His people. But He gives them, interestingly enough, He gives them 
specific instructions. Look at verse 13. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer. We don't know how much that is for each person. You have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it uh, by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the, the one who gathered uh, little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. So we're going to talk about some lessons for the wilderness. And and this is really good to learn before you get to the wilderness. It's good to know these things before you get there because when you're there, sometimes it's too late. So you may be here this weekend, you may be here at this campus, or you're watching online or at the Rosha campus, and you're saying, okay, so I'm in the middle of a wilderness right now. Is there hope for me? And there is, there is. But this is an instruction that we can all glean from in the wilderness. So what are some lessons that we can learn from the wilderness? Number one, if you find yourself in the wilderness, it doesn't mean you made a wrong turn. That's pretty important. Um, you know, uh, we like the Hebrew people, when we, we're faced with this crisis before us, we're in the wilderness and we say, oh, I don't have any water and I don't have any food. What are we going to do? And it could be a health crisis, a relational crisis, an employment crisis, a financial crisis, whatever it is. Here's the two things that we tend to do. We, we tend to go to one of these two points. First, we think sometimes, well, I've tried to live my life the right way. Why is God doing this to me? Why is he punishing me? Why isn't my life working out when I'm trying to do what God's called me to do? And the idea there, or the beliefs behind that is, if I do the right thing, then I, my life will go well and I won't have any problems. The only problem with that is, what did Jesus say? In the world you'll have tribulation. The other extreme we go to, or the other side we go to, we assume that we made a wrong turn and we've done something wrong. So we say, oh, I must have did, I, I did something here to get God angry. I've done something and now he's punishing me because I, I, I did something wrong. But the question is, who led, God, who led the people of Israel into the wilderness? Who led them? God did. God led them into the wilderness. And you say, well, why would God do that? Why would God lead his people in the wilderness? Well, many times what God does, what he did with his people and what he does with us, he allows us to go into the wilderness. He leads us in the wilderness to teach us. To help us to jettison those things that are holding us back. To help us to see our need for him. He wants us to, be, to strip ourselves of the things that we're relying on. The, these little things that we put our weight on and when they begin to crumble, our lives begin to crumble and God wants us to sometimes get to a place where he says, will you trust me? Will you trust me in the wilderness, right? And so I think that's what's going on. So if you find yourself in the wilderness, don't panic. You might be exactly where God wants you to be. Now I will say this. I will say this. Sometimes you're in the wilderness because you make a horrible choice. You sin. You do, you, do, you do dumb things and you can't blame God for that. That's, 
But here's the good news. Even when you mess up, God will lead you out of the wilderness. Even when you mess up. Even when it's on you. Even when you've sinned. God will still lead you out of the wilderness. And some people are still in the wilderness because they just don't believe that God could rescue them and bring them out. He wants to bring you out. It's not over. It's not over. So it's important. And, 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 and the verse that I love in the Old Testament is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. So if you're in the wilderness, don't just think, oh man, I did something wrong, or why is God punishing me? Or Just say, you know, God may want me to learn something here. It, the, the wilderness experience may be a surprise to you, but it's never a surprise to God. Alright. Number two. When you're in the wilderness, uh, you build your faith by counting your blessings. You build your faith by counting your blessings. So what are the Hebrew people doing? Well, they're doing what we saw last week where they begin to grumble. They begin to grumble and they begin to fret. And they long for their old way, back, their old way of life back in Egypt. They say, well, we used to sit around with pots of meat. We had more food than we could ever eat. Life was so good in Egypt. You are such liars. That's not true. They didn't have all that. You know, this is what we do too. What we tend to do when we're in the wilderness, we talked a little bit about it last week, is we have selective memory about the past. We don't remember how difficult it was, how hard it was. How And you think about the people of Israel. They were slaves. They were crying out in distress. They were treated brutally. They were living a really harsh life. Life wasn't good. Now, it's okay to be worried and concerned, okay? That's normal. The question is, how are you going to respond? Some people think that when difficult times come into our lives, when we, we, get, you know, we, we, are, we immediately are like set back on our heels, we're frustrated, we're worried, we're concerned, that, that that's a sin. It's not. But it's, it's how long are you going to stay there? How long are you going to dwell there, Right? So it's, the Hebrew people, though, are fixated on the food issue and forget the, their, their painful past. See, the wilderness can cause us to fixate on what's right behind us and forget about what's... Uh, well, actually, what it does is it, it causes us to fixate on what's before us and forget about what's behind us. So we forget how bad the past was and we're so paralyzed by what's before us we can't move. We, we begin... We become stationary, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We, we remember his past blessings. And that's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what, something I want you to hear. One part of God's will for your life is to always give thanks no matter what your circumstances. Because you may say, Pastor, I just want to know what the will of God is. Here's the will of God for your life. There's many areas that I can't tell you what God's will is for your career, who you should marry, all those different things. Those are like, who knows? I mean, 
That's the path God's going to take you down individually. But I know one path that every Christ follower who is in this room at Roshek, watching online, I know one thing for sure that is the will of God. That you rejoice no matter what your circumstances are. Now let's be clear about what we're talking about. It doesn't say rejoice for your circumstances. It says rejoice in the midst of your circumstances. There's a big difference between those two prepositions. Some people walk around and say, oh, thank goodness, you know, thank God I, he's given me cancer or he, he, I lost my job, praise the Lord. No, that's just nonsense. You lost your job, that's not a good thing. You should be sad about that. You should be, you know, concerned about that. Uh, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that we re- rejoice in the midst of those circumstances. That we can have joy even in the midst of trials and tribulations. Even in the wilderness. We can have joy. That's what he's saying there. See, not everything that happens to you is good. But here's what we're told in Scripture. God can take everything, even the evil, and work it out for His glory and our good. Now here's the problem we have. <clears throat> We have a problem because, and the biggest problem is God's timetable. Because we may not see how God's going to work that out for our good, right? We just say, it was tough, it was hard. But, you know, there's going to be a day, one day, where God, and it may show you this side of heaven where it was difficult, but you saw what God was doing. I mean, Joseph had that moment, didn't he, in Genesis? He says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And what does he mean? You, he says, you brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So <clears throat> Joseph came to a place where he's able to look back and see that we're not always given the opportunity to do that. But uh, sometimes we are. But we just he, here's the point I want you to see. You build your faith by recording your blessings. When we reflect on the good that God has done in our lives, it gives us a much needed new perspective. So one of the things that we're doing in the guide this week, and you could do this even if you're not in a life group, and I hope you get into a life group, but if you're not in a life group, here's an exercise that I want to encourage you to do. So look, you know, open up your bulletin just for a minute, okay? So under, under taking it home, here's what I gave you. I gave each of you an assignment, you know, and, and take five minutes and see if you can list 20 things that you're thankful for. You say, well, pastor, we do it at Thanksgiving. We go around the table and we, you know. <laughs> All right, can you think of five, you know, take five minutes and think of 20 things that you're thankful for. And then thank God for those things. It'll change you. It'll change you. All right, number three, in the wilderness, God gives you what you need when you need it. God is the UPS. He's the, <laughs> he's the FedEx. You know, he's the, he, he gives you exactly what you need when you need it. And I've said this before, when we moved from New York to Iowa, everything that we needed wasn't in the moving truck. But when we needed it, God provided it, right? And, and that's the way God works. He doesn't give it to you each day. Uh, Look at, let's, let's go to the text for a minute. Go to verse 21 of chapter 16. I want you to see this. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, 
And the leaders of the community came, came and reported this to Moses. So here's the point I want you to see. God delivers just enough, just in time. He doesn't give you what you need in advance. He didn't give them. He didn't say there was only one day. On the day before the Sabbath, they gave him enough for two days. But every other day, he said, you're going to have enough for today, enough for today, enough for today. See, on your doorstep each day, God delivers his manna. He gives you exactly what you need for the day. So when you wake up and put your feet down on the ground and you stand up, you say, God, you're going to give me exactly what I need for today. Nothing more, nothing less. And I trust you for that. You're going to give me manna for the day. Now, how were they together? They were to go out, get enough for the day. On the sixth day, they were to get enough for two days. On the seventh day, they were to rest. They weren't together. And guess what they did on the seventh day? Some of them did. They went out and looked for man. <laughs> it wasn't there. <laughs> so they didn't listen to God, you know. Now, did you ever wonder, why couldn't God just give them manna that would last for the whole week? Hey, come once a week. I'll give you this manna. It'll last for a week. And then come back next week. Why didn't God do that? He could have done it. He could, he could have, he could have uh, made manna that lasted for days or weeks or months. But he hasn't come every day. You ever wonder why he does that? So uh, I have this reference, and I want to read it to you. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, again, the book of Deuteronomy very quickly is Moses who preaches these last messages to the people before they go in to take the land. Moses has become an old man now. Joshua is going to take over commands. And he's just warning the people. And he's saying, listen, learn from your parents who didn't learn this lesson. And this is one of the things he says to this new generation. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in, for you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, whether, which neither you nor your ancestors had known before to teach you Notice, what was he to teach you? That man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What was God doing here? God wanted his people to know that not only does he give them physical life, sustains their physical life, but he gives them spiritual life. How many of you this week have acknowledged that God is the one who has given you physical life. Don't you assume that? Don't you assume every day, you just assume your pulse, you assume your breath, and you just say, well, it's another day. Do you realize that you wouldn't have a breath, you wouldn't have a pulse if it were not for the Lord? And not only is He the one who gives you physical life, He's the one who gives you spiritual life. And Jesus certainly understood this, because Jesus said the same thing. He quoted this verse, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do you know where he did it? When he's being tempted by the devil. Don't look to God. Don't trust God. And where was, where was Jesus when he was being tempted? He was in the wilderness. And who led him into the wilderness? Do you remember who led him into the wilderness? The Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And how many days was he in the wilderness? Forty days and forty nights. How long was the nation of Israel in the wilderness? 
40 years. Do you see parallels there? Do you understand why the Old Testament is so important to understand? Because Jesus is, is being the faithful son who where the nation of Israel failed to obey, Jesus obeyed. He followed the commands. And, and so it's really important to understand that. Now the question I want to ask you is, Jesus says, man shall not, and women, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. How do we turn God's word into spiritual food? How do we do that? Can I give you a quick example? And I don't have a lot of time, but let me do it. Uh, Psalm, let me read you a psalm. psalm. This is Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with, the glo- with glory and honor. So here's what I want you to do. Let's just say that you woke up, you took your pulse, you checked your breath, you thanked God for life, and you took some time to say, God, I want to feed on your word. So you read this, this passage. You read Psalm and you read these verses. And here's how I would take his word and make it spiritual food, okay? Imagine now, just think and imagine, that you're looking at the skies on a clear, crisp night. You see the moon, it's a full moon, you see the stars all around it, and it's just incredible. There's no city lights, there's no light pollution. And you look up at the skies, and here's a couple of things that you might think. You might think, those stars are so far away, that's... The, the, the moon is so bright. It's so, so far away. And, and that's just one part of the universe. There's, 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 there's billions of stars. And the universe is so expansive. And some say it's expanding. It's still expanding. And, and so we, we see that this is... And, and not only is it, it beyond our comprehension that God knows all those things, but, but He is set them in perfect harmony, perfect order. And then we think that he says, and the God who did all of that, which you would think, well, that's got to be a full-time job even for God. But it says, and you are yet mindful of me. We could go even further, drill down a little further. You know the hairs of my head. You know everything that's going on in my life. And, 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 and it takes us to a place where we're amazed by the vastness, the greatness, the sovereignty of God. And we say, God, how great you are, how awesome you are, how amazing you are. Do you see how this bread can feed your soul? Do you see how you can feed on it? It gives you a heavenly, eternal perspective. So now when you read that verse, you say, you are mindful of me. Even though you are so powerful, you set the stars in the sky, you haven't forgotten me. You're mindful of me. You know me. You know me by name. You know the hairs of my head. So anything that happens to me today, you already knew what was going to happen. It's not an accident. You have a plan for me, just like you do with the universe. Does that cause you to have peace? 
Does that cause you to be confident? Does that cause you to feel good about who God is and what he's doing in your life? I see so many Christians today who are starving spiritually because they never take and eat the bread of life. Jesus said, he says, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said, I would starve if it weren't for the word of my father. You see, manna points us to the bread of life. We need daily bread. Remember the Lord's prayer. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Why do we think that we physically we need to eat every day, but spiritually we can skip oh, weeks, months? Come to a buffet on the weekend, right? I try doing that. That's a good diet. The weekend buffet. Go to a buffet and just eat like a pig on Saturday and then don't eat the rest of the week. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work. But spiritually speaking, that's what many people are trying to do and they wonder why they're all creeped out about life. Manna reminds us that we need God moment by moment, that we're dependent and we need a relationship with Him. You see, we need to get to a place and this is, what, this is what it means to feast on the Word of God daily. Manna means that we need to get to a place where we don't just go when we're desperate, but we see our desperate need for God. And the psalmist says this, David says this, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God... David says, I would die without you. Number four, God meets us in our doubts and tests us in our blessings. Notice uh, going back to the text in Exodus 16, verses 4 and 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. And then he says this, in this way I will test them to see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days on the sixth day. You see, God met them in their doubt and concern. He is the God of grace and mercy. Now maybe you think you're not good enough. You're you're right. You're not good enough. If it it was based upon your goodness, well, we'd all fall short, right? But you are the exact person that God wants to shower with His grace and mercy. Now, here's what I want you to see. That even at our worst, God shows us His best. Have you been in a relationship where... Um, let's call it an equal relationship. It's not an equal relationship between us and God, but let's just say you're in an equal relationship. And you do or say something that's very hard, it's, it's hurtful to another person in that relationship. It's not unusual for that person to treat you coldly or to get revenge or whatever it is. God is so far above that. God is so far above that. Even at our worst, God shows up with His best. Now, 
Some people think, well, I'm only tested when, when I go through these wilderness, difficult time experiences. That's not true. We're tested, we are tested when our back's against the wall, but we're also tested in times of blessing. You may not have thought about that. You may, when was the last time you thought, God has really, truly blessed me, but you never saw it really as a test, but it is a test. God's... Look at, look at what uh, Romans 2 says. Or do, you not, or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance and patience, not, notice, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Here's the question I want to ask you. Has the kindness of God has the kindness of God changed you as a person? Let, let me give you a few examples. Maybe God got you out of a financial hole. He did it for a reason. What are you doing? What are you doing with your finances now? If He got you out of a financial hole. Maybe God healed you. Maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it was recently. Maybe God healed you. Maybe you even prayed a prayer, Lord, if you just heal me, and then fill in the blank, whatever promise you made. Let me ask you a question. When God was kind to you and healed you, He did it for a reason. How are you doing? Because this is a test. Maybe you, you pray, God, I need a job. Help me get a job. Help me to get this career. And God gave you that job. God gave you that career. He did it for a reason. Now, what are you doing with it? That's a test. This is all a test. Maybe He turned your life around for a reason. Maybe you say, my life has gone in such a different direction and He saved my soul and He gave me new life and He turned my heart and everything changed. Well, what are you doing with that? What has changed in your life? God always blesses you for a reason. And what the writer, the passage says is, God, don't trample on God's blessings, God's kindness. Because you don't just get tested when, you go, when things go bad. You get tested when things go well for you. So what are you doing with the blessings? What are you doing with his blessings? Let me close with this passage. Matthew chapter 25. This kind of is that final. <laughs> What'd you do with the blessings? What'd you do with the kindness? After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold... See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. God's kindness and God's blessing are for a reason, for a purpose. It's a test. How are you doing? We know how it goes with the one who buried it, right? As you read down, there's one that buries it, and he just... I buried it because I knew you were, you know, you're not a very good guy and I was afraid and, you know, all these excuses. And God says, yeah, I blessed you 
and you did nothing with it. It's a test. Whether you're in the wilderness and things are going badly, whether you're in the wilderness and things are going good, it's a test. Let's pray. Help us, Father, because if 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 we haven't been in the wilderness, we will be. Some folks uh, this weekend are in the midst of the wilderness and hopefully something from the passages, something from the text would be an encouragement to them. But most of all, Father, we pray that uh, we would learn a lesson or two from the wilderness and from your word. May the Spirit take it to the area that you have been maybe speaking into our lives about because we need to learn these lessons now. So, Father, whatever is, has been said in the last 30 minutes that is not from you, may it be forgotten, and may the rest go deep into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.